Hey, critical thinkers, welcome to this episode of the Healthy and Awake podcast, where today we are exploring the influence of marketing, something that I talk about quite a bit because I mentioned propaganda in just about every single episode I have. And when I say propaganda, I really am speaking very broadly because I'm including not only the political propaganda that most people think of when they hear of that word but also marketing, advertising, public relations, anything to really get your attention and influence the way you perceive something, maybe even the way you behave. And that's why I felt it was appropriate to speak with today's guest, Zach Coleman. He is the owner and CEO of Creative and is an expert in athlete branding. He has worked with professional athletes to leverage their business mindset and help them build their brands. I'm reading his uh, bio here. As an influencer in the sports branding and marketing business, he has a rapidly growing YouTube channel and is the host of the Creative Podcast, which features interviews with athletes and discusses hot topics in athlete branding and marketing. So Zach's a really cool dude. I had fun talking with him. And like I said, I think it's cool to get a sneak peek into the marketing world, the way marketing people talk, because I do market my own business, my own podcast. I've even had an influx of appointments booked for the free business consults that I do on MikeVira.com. And so with that going on, plus with the messaging where I'm always talking about propaganda anyway. I think this really fits. It's definitely a little different from what I usually talk about, usually like health controversy in some way, but I still think you're going to like it. So without further ado, here we go. So... I actually, the last time we spoke, I sent you a message on your Facebook apologizing for spelling your name wrong because I spelled it uh, Z-A-C-H because I saw on Facebook it is Z-A-C-K. Oh, no, Z-A-C-H is how I do it now. Oh, so okay. So you've rebranded. That's very appropriate. <laughs> I, I. It's funny you say that. So I have a, um, yeah, when I was a kid, I was Zach. And then when I got older, my real name is an H and I spelled it as a K as a kid. And when I got older, I'm like, I just feel like the H seems more, my wife hates it, but I'm like, I feel like it just seems more sophisticated. I feel like Zach with a K is like, has, it feels like attack. Like it has that like too much energy to it. So I don't know, Zach, but my son's name, my son's name is actually Mick, M-I-C. And so I branded my son. My wife makes fun of me because his initials, his initials are the same as his first name. And so, uh, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. So, uh, I like, no one's ever going to not know how to say his name now, especially when he has to put his initials down and they yell at him for putting his first name down. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny. I feel like that is the level of scrutiny that a marketing or branding expert would put into something like how we even spell our names. <laughs> it's a curse and a gift. We'll just say that. It's a curse and a gift. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess maybe this is a, a good place to start. So, Zach, thanks for being here. Uh, we're here at the Healthy and Awake podcast. Would you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, my name is Zach Coleman. No E in Coleman, please. <laughs> but my name is Zach Coleman, and I am the CEO and founder of a Brit and Motivate, a Grit and Motivation focused agency based out of based out of Arizona, where I help uh, where I help athletic brands find their why through brand identity and digital experiences. Very cool. And I know. In this sort of landscape, there is some overlap between something like branding and marketing and advertising. And uh, a lot of my audience is very much in the health space. Some of them, not all, have their own businesses. So would you mind kind of picking apart a little bit the differences between those different things? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get right into the nitty gritty of it. I think that Everything is branding. If you really want to say it, advertising is branding. Marketing is branding. Branding is the foundation of everything, um, everything they do. But funny in us, branding's the only thing that people can't. It's like the most powerful uh, thing that you could do, but it also has, there's no way to track it. So unlike marketing, which is like, let's look at the numbers or advertising, how much spend you're doing. You know, branding, in effect, like, can build your business, but you won't see it right away, you mm -hmm. know, and it will, it will help with the waterfall. So it's, it's really just how people, how people yourself, it's about how you and other people perceive you. And that ties into the emotional impact of how you do your advertisement, how you build your marketing strategy. Because if you really want to be an authentic business owner who's helping people, branding is by far what I've seen anyway, is those are the brand, those are the uh, types of clients that usually come my way is they're very purpose driven, very much want to help others. And they very much want to separate themselves from their competitors by having a voice, a tone, visuals themselves separate all of that from what else is out there. But unlike marketing and advertising, branding in itself, but yeah, it's kind of all over the place and you use it for everything. And I'll use this as an example. We're a branding and a marketing agency. So our agency grew very marketing worthy as we began to start it, even though we were a branding agency. The way I look at it is, you know, a good example for anyone to watch is this, and I, I brought this up when you and I talked earlier, uh, was that Payless commercial. I think that's a good example of showcasing how people perceived a certain brand, the experience they were getting. They didn't necessarily change the shoe design, which yes, is also part of branding, uh, but they changed when, where, and how these clients, these certain types of audiences viewed their product and how they purchased their product. And that's what made them be able to double their price. So I usually tell cu customers all the time, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I could double your income. I can double your income tomorrow, which I, of course, it's impossible to double income tomorrow. But what I usually say is, yeah, all we'd have to do is brand you in a way, find your market, you to talk to the right market. And if your market is uh, 
I'm not going to say luxury, but you're really hitting on a specific tone and you know what that the value of your product is compared to your competitors and how what separates you. Um, you could probably double your prices tomorrow and make profits on all of it. Very similar to how Payless moved their shoe. If they really wanted to build that model, they probably could have and they'd be infamously rich. But uh, yeah, and it's it's kind of the foundation and the hard part that I see most companies do is they go straight to the marketing. And yes, you have a phase of if you're under 250 or you're around 250 mark, that's usually the validation phase. You're kind of trying all these different things. And so I wouldn't recommend branding because it's like, yeah, well, you have to somewhat test your product and make sure that you, you, you're going to have a lot of failures. So you don't want to set foundations for something that's going to be constantly moving within that 250 mark. That's when I would recommend, hey, just get a logo out there to start. Don't really think about branding. Just, it's just get something that you can put on stuff. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect, you know. Um, but there comes a time when clients will come to us and they'll be like, we want an SEO campaign. We want an advertising campaign. What do we do here? How do we do this? And none of them have their foundations. None of their foundations. They're like, we want to do this. This is what we want to do. And you can do it. But at the end of the day, I tell them you're going to be spending a lot more money on optimization because you don't know where you're going. And that's the whole point of branding. It's it's a strategy on helping you pinpoint where to go. It's kind of branding really, (laughs) sorry, branding really meshes well with, uh, with business. Very similar because you're going to be focusing a lot on branding with culture team. So back to, you originally said foundations, if. If you're a personal brand, you are where to start. If you're a a trainer, where to start, find your values. Like what do you personally find valuable in life? Not just business, but in in personal life. Find those values, write those values on a wall and utilize those in everything that you do when it comes to your messaging, when it comes to who you help, when it comes to who you do. And that's a good way to start practicing branding. It doesn't necessarily need to be assets but as you grow it's also culture it's how your team perceives you it's how your clients perceive you and that's what people usually go to it is how people perceive you but no one ever thinks of it as a community no one ever thinks oh well it's not just how your clients perceive you but it's how your how your uh team perceives you you want to bring sure people in match the same values as you but that also goes back to your assets where you're going to be kind of put in a place where now you have people that are gelling. You have people that all have a similar goal um, within your organization. You have all your A players in, and it will, it will just be much easier for that same voice, that consistency, and all that within not just the branding, but your marketing direction. If you have your foundations down, I would tell them, all right, you have your foundations down. We get this. We get your message. We get this. So you're tailoring to you know, high schoolers that are trying to work out for instance, are trying to work out. So we know, okay, from there, you can kind of say, oh, how are we going to feel focus on the marketing direction now? Where do those types of people visit? What what social platforms? Who do their parents visit? Because their parents have money, right? So, you know, their parents are most likely going to be the ones that do the products. So that's where then you would say, all right, let's now get a marketing budget or an advertising budget in place to start tailoring those. And so Branding's really, I think, the most crucial step uh, that most people don't take. 
And that's why we have evolved our agency to, you know, I look at content, I look at content writing, I look at blogging, I look at SEO, local SEO reputation management. I go at it from more of a branding perspective. Like, hey, like you're trying to reach these audiences. So let's let's think, okay, what kind of kind of terminology and what kind of stuff is going to attract them to you? So it's more of that attract, it's that warm that warm approach. And that's, that's what I love to do. Um, and I'll, I'll add real quick yeah. um, on, on that note, not to plug my own business here, but like that, my business is very much a brand oriented business. And I've done that very deliberately, like red pill health and wellness. I, I think when branding is done correctly, it very succinctly communicates to anybody what we really stand for. And so it like really the way I've branded my business, Red Pill Health and Wellness, with this Healthy and Awake podcast, just because of the branding alone, it has opened up a lot of doors for me because people see this and many of them identify with it. They they have associations with it. And so they see the logo, they see the name, even this setup here with the red glasses, the red microphone, that that's all yeah. things that I have I've the same way, man. Account. Look. Look, my red, yeah, my yeah. red here, yeah, yep. my red headphones, my red this. And then, of course, I work in sports and athletics. And so, of course, I try to make my wall very similar to you, very much focused around that outdoorsy type feel in a way. So I agree with you 100%. Definitely. And it makes even further, it makes everything so much easier. Like if I'm a small business with an advertising budget of, uh, let's say, $1,000 a month, if people don't know what I stand for, uh, you bet that I'm going to really use the hell out of that thousand dollars a month and my cost per click and all these, you know, marketing terms going to be lower. Are, yeah. Yep. So if my branding is done right, people recognize immediately what I stand for. Things are just going to be so much uh, less expensive. It'll reach more people. And, and, you know, just because my audience isn't entirely business people, I would say that even just having an understanding of branding from a personal perspective. You know, we talk a lot on this platform about propaganda and messaging and, and communicating mm -hmm. and influence and all these sorts of things. As individuals, we can kind of brand ourselves too, which, you know, maybe said another way, and I think you even touched on this, is like figuring out what your why is and what you really stand for and your purpose and your mission. Well, it's interesting you say that because going back to what, you know, we were saying earlier, you know, yes, not going to, I'll just say a local brick and mortar since a lot of your clients are brick and mortar, your audience are brick and mortars. You have a certain percentage of money that goes towards, you know, the location. You have a, a lot of money that goes towards expensive of employees, all that stuff. So on average, I'd say, you know, that's, you know, brick and mortars have about a 10%, you know, marketing budget. Is, is usually what I do. It's the online stores that I say, hey, you know, go up to 20. <laughs> but uh, um, you have about a 10% marketing budget. So when you're at about that 250 mark, you know, 250 grand a year, you're a personal brand. Um, you, as you grow, as you grow, you tend to just need to get business, you know? And so branding, what ends up happening is people end up uh, and I've, I've seen this just talking with uh, hundreds and hundreds of prospects uh, and even in the growth of, in the in the history of the way I've grown, funny enough, in my business is that you get to a certain point. 
And that certain point is, could be for anyone. Some people it's 20 million, but it very much coincides with, you get very much coincides with the evolution of the, your business model. Um, for instance, for instance, health and wellness, we'll use, we'll use, uh, we'll use, um, personal training facility, for instance, we'll use a personal training facility. Uh, that seems uh, health and wellness. Let's go health and wellness. Facility. Let's say it's a, we'll just say it's a, a doctor of some sort. He gets to a point, unless you're opening it up with four other doctors, you get to a point where you're probably taking a majority of the calls right away, taking a majority of the calls. You're doing a majority of, of the assistant work, the admin work, probably doing your own taxes probably doing your own strategy. And what ends up happening is you get to this point where you're so used to making 50% profit margins uh, because you're working it all yourself that you you come into your mindset doesn't shift much more towards abundance. And what I mean by that is, is and I this this somewhat hit me too. Mine was from a different perspective, but it hits everyone in a different way. But, oh, well, now, now you need to start looking at it as, hey, you're not trying to bring more money in. Yes, you are. You're always trying to grow, but money shouldn't be your somewhat deciding factor anymore. Uh, you look at the, your budgets, you're talking about tens of thousands and not 500 anymore when you're doing stuff. But you're also, you're also worried about, oh, now I have to hire people and I'm only going to make 20%. Mm. I'm making less. And unfortunately, as I continue to grow, I'm going to be making that same 20% until I reach 10 million. So you get to this point where you're like, okay, there's a huge gap between making 250 to making $10 million, right? And so a lot of businesses do two things and they end up going, I'm not going to say the cheap route, but I'm going to say going the, 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 the route of, of, Hey, we're just not going to care about retention. We're not going to care about helping people. And we're just to cut costs and make sure we're keeping it that 50%. We're going to hire as many unqualified people, or we'll just call them D players. We'll just call them D players, not A players. We'll just hire anyone. They don't think about values. They don't think about brand. They don't care about if clients leave. And then so that they could keep that 50% profit margin in the business because they're too afraid to go the other route, which is abundance, which is, hey, now I'm, I'm, yes, I'm going to be making less, but, and the, and yeah, there's the fine line there with, of course, you need to be profitable, but, uh, there's a, there's a fine line there between, okay, well, now I have employees I want to hire because I want to help provide for them. I want to help my employees bring on, and not just that, clients you go through to you you go through the validation stage as we talked about and most of these people end up um just bringing on anybody just bringing on yeah. any clients they possibly can and you get to a point where that's what's really causing you burnout one you're over serving you're not working with your ideal your ideal client which means you because you haven't focused on branding which is understandable and then you're also bringing on employees employees that your employee retention is is horrible and so it's like, all right, how does this shift? And so I think that's I think that's a huge cause on why a lot of either businesses go out of business or why we see so many businesses right that right now doing what I would call 
I'll just say it, shitty marketing, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, uh, you know, because yeah. And, and then for some reason they think it's better to just pay Google uh, um, or Facebook ads, pay them 50 grand a month and have a low conversion rate than to pay someone really good at it, $10,000 a month and only have a $10,000 spend and get better people. It just doesn't make sense. The math just doesn't add up to me, but, uh, but yeah, that's usually what happens. And it's a scary time. I mean, I went through it too. I had to redefine my success because I saw that same scenario happening. And the way I had it, I had to do it is I was like, well, is it really worth going to 20 million? Total. 10 million, 5 million. Um, I, I still want to work hard. I love what I do. But my problem was very similar. I, I had to pay the bills and I had to pay my employees. And so I subconsciously started bringing people in as clients that didn't match my values again my values uh so and that's really if you think about it what really separates branding from marketing is you have these values you you bring in and there's nothing wrong with saying no there's nothing wrong with saying no to people and so if companies decided to say hey i'm gonna build this product around my customer and what my customer wants and my customer needs i want him if their end goal wasn't, hey, we need to get to $10 million a year, uh, and they weren't just focused on the numbers, they were focused more on, hey, they were product-centric, you know, marketing-centric. Yes, you could still have marketing in there, but wouldn't that deliver your purpose? Isn't that your purpose that you really first started the business to begin with is I want to help help people. If you're a doctor per sentence, like we were talking about your, your overall premise would be, I want to help people. Um, but yeah, now I'm just ranting on, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it, it's, it can be tough in a business. It can be tough because let's say like uh, I am a doctor, right? Let's say I'm a doctor and I'm trying to build this business. A lot of business people, and I've been guilty of this myself. We like to wear all the hats. I want to be in yeah. control. I have this vision. I want to do everything. And that can really cripple us in many ways. And as you were saying, a lot of the things that you were, one thing that kind of came to mind is how, and and maybe this is debatable, but marketing is like the tactics that are deployed to get your message out there, advertising being one of them. But I also, I, I kind of see branding as like the personality of the yeah. business. It's what kind of creates loyalty in people. It's what people can really resonate with and associate with and, and identify with. And that's kind of what can facilitate that loyalty is because, well, look, this business has this brand, this personality. It's almost like, you know, a friend. Maybe that's too far, but, you know, there, there's kind of that personality feel to it. And, you know, some examples of the power of branding is like on Shark Tank, Scrub Daddy. I mean, these are people that just rebranded a sponge. And so their brand has a very particular feel to it. It's just a sponge with a smiley face and people ate that up. Uh, same thing with, maybe you've seen this all over your social media feed like I have, hostage tape. They've basically rebranded scotch tape, you know, regular tape that, that you can tape things with. Um, but they say, hey, look, this is tape where you can put it over your mouth while you're sleeping to force you to breathe through your nose. I mean, you look at the product, it's tape, it's a product. And then you implement the branding, you give it a personality, hostage tape, and the marketing that goes along with it. And now you have this multi-million dollar business because of its personality, people were attracted to it. 
They find their message appealing. And I, I do want to tie this back to something you said in the beginning, which is pay less. Last time you and I spoke, just to sort of get on the same page and build rapport, you you described an example of this sort of thing with pay less. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, what I said earlier, they did an experiment. So Payless did this experiment. Um, it's one of my favorite videos. And it was just an experiment. Uh, experiment it had nothing to do with branding. But I forgot what they called it, but they basically rebranded their 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 whole, their their brand altogether. They said, hey, we're going to take our shoes and we're going to brand it like a luxury product. So they took their shoe and they called it, they secretly called it like um, less... Uh, Paid lease or something like right. that. They made uh, it look from, French. Uh, yeah, they look French. Yeah, and they took it and they went to they. So that's that's the uh, that's kind of the how. And then the, the who they went to. They got a brick and mortar in like Hollywood, and that's that's the that's the where they're like, hey, our audience. They said our audience is going to be rich influencers and rich people that have more money and want to spend money on luxury brand stuff. And so they rebranded it like that. And then they opened their store. All the shoes were the same. Of course, they changed the packaging and all that, but they, the shoes were all the same. And you should, you, you should watch it. It's uh it's very interesting because you would saw these influencers coming in and they uh, were buying the shoes. Oh man, like this, these shoes are great. Like these shoes are amazing. Like I'm going to go tell all my friends about it. And that right there, um, that right there was the branding, you know, they got to the, and they upped the shoes from like their normal and they showed the numbers. It was crazy. They put a normal pair of shoes. It was $20 and they sold each one for like 680 bucks because that was their market now. And they knew that that's who they can serve. And that goes back to bringing in the wrong clients or bringing in certain appeal and how branding is more than just the assets. Like you said, yes, that's part of it. And that definitely helped. Because if you just put a pay less in, you know, Hollywood, you know, you're probably not going to get the, the fancy people coming and buying shoes. And so you, it all kind of works together. But they, they did. They told the people at the end that they were pay less. And that was their experiment was just to see if they could. Uh, just, it was really just to promote pay less in itself. So they use branding in a different way. It's a really unique way to come up with an experiment to basically say so. It's an example of branding, but what they did was actually a branding tactic as well, because it was showing to the normal consumer, making them think, oh, I'm really getting a $650 shoe for $20, you know? So it did the exact opposite effect with the, the people that watched the experiment and made them think, oh, I'm getting a more expensive shoe for, for cheap. When in reality, when it's like when we go to the store, uh, I'm kind of biased because, you know, I know I, they all come from the, not all of them. A lot of them own their own distribution companies, but you know, a lot of them, uh, like drop shipping. A lot of them come from the same place. They just change. Yeah. It's like sunglasses. They all come from the same place. They just rebrand it and change a couple of little industrial design kind of elements on it. And, uh, and, but they're all, they're all pretty much the same thing. And so like when I'm shopping, I do the same thing. And I will, I will purchase, I will purchase, I will spend more money. And that's the point of value-based selling, right? Is I will purchase, I'd rather purchase a product or a service from someone that I like 
and someone, a company that I'm like, I know that I can call them up tomorrow and they're going to list good customer service. That's the experience. Um, I'd pay more for that because I don't have to wait on the phone for 10 hours or I don't get a product and then 10 minutes later it breaks. I want to be able to buy something and be like, man, I'm ready to go work out with this or I'm not afraid to go get this medication because, because my doctor, my doctor like really pushed because he knew me, he knew my, what I was like, he knew what I was doing because of, of my symptoms that the exact way to go without any risk, you know? And so it does that experiment itself is a great way. And I, I, uh, I usually promote it to prospects when they're like, branding doesn't prove anything. Like, what are you talking about branding? You know, there's no numbers behind it. I'm like, well, here you go. Like, here's a example of, well, there will establish. Yeah. Because of their branding and marketing. I mean, it all works together, but yeah, it's because of their, their ability to think outside the box and come up with a brand strategy that was able to bring in their consumers, uh, their audience, they knew their audience, you know? So, so yeah, that was a, it was a pretty nifty experiment. And you know, the whole process really, it's kind of interesting how so much time, money, and effort can be put into creating this idea of a perfect brand. This is how we want to come across to the customers. This is what we want to appear like and look like and all these different things. And on the other side of things from the customer or client perspective, it's a much quicker process. It's really like all of that effort goes into branding to make the decision-making from the customer end significantly easier. If yes. I see this business and I can recognize their brand, if I feel comfortable with their you know, so-called personality that is their brand, well, it's, it's almost not even a thought for me to purchase or associate myself with this company or this business. And that kind of brings into question, like we talked about in, in our original dis non-recorded discussion of you know, ethics, the ethics in branding, because I might be this like totally vicious company, my only interest, like let's say Amazon, right? Just for the sake of argument, not to pick on Amazon, but you know, let's say I'm, I'm viciously going after my bottom line. I just want money. That's really all I care about. Well, I can really craft my brand in a way that a lot of people just think like, oh, wow, Bezos is the nicest guy and Amazon, they're just like my friend sort of thing. And it can really lull us and pacify us if we're not careful. And if we don't pay attention to these sorts of tactics that can influence us. So there's an interesting dichotomy there where, you know, if I am a well-intentioned business, if my mission is genuinely to make the world a healthier place as mine is and to, to relentlessly pursue truth, well, my pursuits towards branding my business are like a, a good positive thing. Like I am trying to construct my brand in a way so it's very clear what I stand for so that you, the customer, can recognize, oh, well, Mike and Red Pill Health and uh, Red Pill Health and Wellness and the Healthy and Wake podcast, I know what they stand for. I get their brand. But there are certainly times where people might feel as if they understand someone's brand when in reality, they've kind of been duped. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's, an, it's actually interesting. I, I've really never thought about this before, and that's why it's such a great topic. Uh, 
yes, it can happen. But I and I think that, you know, you, you have a fam familiarity with brand with Brandon. And I think I'm I'm very subjective myself because I'll look at certain things like, for instance, the Washington Redskins, you know, when they changed their name to the Washington Commanders, they did it out of principle. That was their way of saying, hey, you know, we don't care what everyone thinks. We're going to come up with this this crappy alternative for now and just put it out there. But they weren't really thinking about the fans, you know. Mm. And so there's certain cracks. There are certain cracks you can see. I mean, if I were the if I was Washington, I would have focused much more on what do the people want, what do the fans want in my area, and I would have brought it more as a community. And so I think that when you look at someone, and we'll just use Amazon, I guess, since you brought them up. They did. They it, it happens. And I think it can happen at any stage um, where they grow to a certain point where inevitably, inevitably, there's going to be cracks in the consistency. And that's funny enough why you will see larger brands. And, and this this goes for anyone who may own a business that has worked with designers or where with companies when they hear, oh, they pay $200,000 for a rebrand. It's like, well, yeah, because they're, they have billions of dollars at risk compared to, you know, hundreds of thousands, you know, uh, compared to like 50 grand at risk, you know? So there's, it's, it's an interesting subject and I have seen, I have seen them, but 99% of the time, at least from my perspective, I have been able to somewhat funny enough. I think just because of my skill set, I could tell right away, like, oh, this brand sucks. Or they're faking it. You know, they're faking it. You know, so I'll ask, I, I, just to interject, what are some of the things you might look for to notice that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, from a, from a marketing, so for instance, I'll see, I'll see, you know, I'll see branding, for instance, because uh, everyone says this, don't judge a book by its cover. But we all judge a book by its cover. And that's funny enough what branding and first impressions does do. Uh, but you'll start seeing it in the other forms of branding. Uh, um, so I can see it very simply off front from the visual side because I, you know, I'm a creative director and I can literally, I can literally tell bad visuals and bad messaging, like just from looking at it. So I can be like, oh, this was done by someone's nephew or that has no experience in it, or they just looked at it as a ass. They just looked at it as a, a product and not a service type situation. But that comes back to the other things. And the other things you'll start seeing are the other forms of branding that we talked about. Like one of the biggest things that I've, I, like I said earlier was your personal values, right? And so as you start buying products, as you start buying certain things. And remember, this isn't going to affect everyone because the psychological traits of everyone is different. You're never going to find, you know, everyone, a certain set of people that have the same psychological traits. Demographics, yeah, but psychological, not really. Um, you could still try to match those, but you'll see bad customer experience, for instance. You'll see the way that they're selling, um, the way that they're selling you or they're trying to, get you to purchase something. Um, there's a pretty big competitor uh, in our space. I'm not, I, I'm not going to bring them up um, per se, but uh, they're about a $40 million a year company. Um, used to be owned, and I'll just hint, they used to be owned by 
a really big influencer right now in the athletic space uh, before uh, yeah, sold I know him. exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, and their, their brand is horrible. Like their brand, you could tell was made by a, you know, made one of those, those quick logos. They use a lot of, you know, click funnels and nothing wrong with click funnels, nothing wrong with using certain platforms, but um, they just use account countless amounts of marketing. But when you go in and you talk to them, you will find out that they're not just selling advertisement costs. They're also trying to teach you to sell. And so from my perspective, I'm looking at it and, I, and then charge about $800, $800 a week to, yeah. to do this. And so you're paying five grand a month, which, you know, we have clients to pay five grand a month. I have clients to pay 10 grand a month. But the problem with this was they, that people had to pay for all of these additional platforms, um, had to be on weekly calls for coaching or their account gets shut down and they and not saying their strategy is bad. They'll do your ads for free for a month, get you business. Uh, they say they'll bring you 50 leads a month, but what ends up happening now is their target, their, their target and their, the values are off because what ends up happening is they're reaching these, these, uh, these gym owners that are making, let's say 500 grand a year, um, to maybe a, a million a year. Um, and they're funny enough, right past that validation stage. So they're right at that point where they're delegating, you know, they're hiring personal trainers. They're trying to get out of the personal side. They want to start focusing on other parts of the business. And instead of really focusing on operations and building value, they're on these call, these, these, these crappy calls, the, 50 crappy unqualified calls with people that they're forcibly trying to sell to come to their gym. Um, not saying their gym's bad, but they're trying to basically, basically do the, the sales that shouldn't be real sales. It's, it's like, we're going to talk to 50 people and we're going to try to get, you know, many in And Unfortunately they don't because it's such a bad model. It's all unqualified. So now they're spending all their time in sales and it's like, okay, well, how are they going to grow if they're spending all their time selling these unqualified leads and then they're giving, you know, five grand a month to a marketing company? That's right there already. If they're making 500K, what's that 10 per, you know, 10 to 12 percent of their so-called marketing budget? That's basically all they have is a gym. So they're paying already all that so that now they can't do any other sort of marketing. They have no time for strategy. They have no time for operations, no time to bring value-based people in. They're just trying to bring anyone off the streets they can because they have no time. And so that's how they slowly, but that's an example of a company that is utilizing bad practices. And so when you, back to your original question, you can start to notice it just by simple interactions. I buy a product that, you know, they say, you know, sometimes it, it it's true. You may buy a, a you know, a hundred and twenty pair of sunglasses, and then they break the next day, and you did nothing. You know, and you're like, yeah, oh my yeah. god. So that would be a sign of yes, this is probably a company I never want to work with again. So you have that, that's where the reputation the reputation side comes in, where you see what other people are saying and and other stuff. But you'll see it from the other sides of branding, what the company culture, um, this. But what it really comes down to, and this is going to go back to what you were saying about delegation. Like, yes, 
you're at a point where you're delegating, right? You need to start understanding, you need to pay other people. I'm a very big component because I learned quite fast when any of my business devs would be like, oh, you need to start delegating, just delegate everything. It's like, well, it's really not that simple. There are still going to be things in the business I have to do myself because I'm not big enough yet to delegate to 10 people. You know, mm. I'm, I'm not. And, but that's where you have to look back as a personal brand and say, hey, I, I'm, I don't want to be a boss. I have to be a leader. And that's where sure. you have to start learning those leadership skills. And so Jeff Bezos, um, for instance, and back to Amazon, if you were seeing him doing, and, and no one's perfect, of course, but if you were seeing him focus more, uh, Panagonia is a great example of a great brand. You know, he sold his company and he gave it all away, you know, gave all his stuff to charity. So you can tell by other situations you, just by, looking at him and that's funny enough everything trickles down from the leader right and so if the leader just doesn't seem like a great person which can be biased because if you're only seeing them on the screen like you said you may come up with this 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 you see this facade of of what people could be but that's why it's very important for you to learn to be authentic talk mm -hmm. about your weaknesses if amazon came out and said hey we're doing great here but you know we're not the great at customer service, you know, like we could, we could do better and we're trying to improve that. That's our main purpose. If they really promoted that, their failures and what they're trying to get better at, people would, funny enough, know that they're a good brand, you know? I have, I actually have a few thoughts based on, on some of what you just said. Um, so this might seem kind of random, but when you referred to like, is this a, a good person? Is this a good leader? Uh, one of the things that stood out to me was basically incongruencies. So one way to avoid getting swindled or some red flags to look out for when you're interested in a brand is incongruency. So is what they are putting out there, is their messaging, is their personality in line with what they're actually doing, with what the people say their experience was, that sort of thing. And there's this uh, comedian, he's like in the conservative space uh his name is steven crowder maybe you know maybe you don't heard of um, him yeah. so he you know his whole brand is being like a good christian conservative and and you know i guess making fun of liberals and this isn't a political show this is just an example um but a video came out of him like berating his wife and saying like horrible reprehensible things and so I hear some of what you said, and I'm thinking that's a perfect example. He's putting his brand out there like, hey, I'm a good Christian conservative guy. Meanwhile, behind the scenes in his own house, he's like insulting his wife. So that's obviously a big red flag. I think he lost a lot of money after that. But, you know, maybe more relevant examples or just another thought that I had uh, in the talk of branding is uh, there's this idea I used to hear my boss say this when I was making pizza as a kid is uh, some people sell the sizzle instead of the steak. And that's kind of the branding. I mean, a good company uh, would sell the, the sizzle and the steak, but some people just sell the sizzle. And so I think of Domino's pizza. Like If you've ever had Domino's pizza, it's not good pizza, especially if you've ever had real like Italian pizza. Domino's is a poor excuse for pizza, but people buy their food. People really go for it. And I would say a lot of that has to do with 
the branding, you know, that their personality and, and many people do trust Domino's. But one more thing that I wanted to add here as a possible red flag or discrepancy to look out for when we're uh, interested in, in certain brands is one of the tactics they might use is emotional appeals. And I don't think that's inherently problematic because, uh, you know, we're humans, we have emotions. I think sometimes it can be justified to appeal to people's emotions. If somebody's in pain and you're selling a solution to deal with that pain, well, you kind of have to make an emotional appeal. But there are definitely instances like, let's say, you know, a beer company, right? They Some of their commercials seem pretty egregious just to get you really drunk. They'll appeal, like, let's say this... Um, this rebranding that Bud Light is doing since their whole uh, Dylan Mulvaney debacle. So they, you know, they're pushing this whole trans agenda stuff in in some of their promotions, which I'm not criticizing. That's just what they're doing. And then on the flip side of things, after they lose a bunch of money, they put ads out there like, we're the American beer. If you love America, you want to drink Bud Light. That's kind of a red flag. That's not very consistent in their messaging, their personality or or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, first, I, I want to say something about the Domino's thing. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a red flag. Uh, I mean, they're they're yeah, they're not they're doing the sizzle and not the steak, but they are being transparent about the sizzle and not the steak. People know, hey, I'm going to get a five dollar pizza. It's going to be quick. Mm. They walk quick. That's OK. But they're selling people. They're not necessarily telling people. Hey, we have the best pizza. They, we have the best pizza ever. We outbeat all these other pizza joints. They're just True. saying, nope, $5 pizza. So back to if you were talking about, about talking about Bud Light with that instance, you know, back to what you said with Bud Light. Yeah, that's not consistent. Yeah, that's not consistent at all. Um, and they're trying to that's a PR stuff for sure. They're trying to rechange their image really fast. But, you know. It's funny you bring that up, um, that and the, the, the comedian situation, because another thing people have to really think about is mainstream media. Uh, brands can be consistent and red flags, uh, you know, are, are all over the place, but you can't necessarily trust mainstream media because they're going to manipulate because that's their own brand. Is there like, oh, we want to, we, we put drama out there. And that's what we try to do, depending. And so you now have to look at a brand like TMZ compared to a brand like Fox compared to a brand like TM. Uh, I already said TMZ, like, you know, some other CNN. channels. Yeah, CNN. And yeah, that could get political. Of course, we're not talking about that. But um, you also have to see see like what other people are saying, because there are always two sides of a story. You know, he could be a real Christian. He could have just had a bad day. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's totally I, fair. I did not see, I did not see what happened. So if he beat it, you know, he, he beat her or something like that. And yeah, like there's no, there's no coming back from that. Like that's just wrong. Uh, but if it was something like, Hey, I yelled at my wife, maybe their dog passed away earlier that day or their kid got an ax. You just never know. And so sometimes you just have to be a little bit more open-minded to all sides of the story. When it comes to Bud Light, you know, I have nothing wrong with, with companies doing certain things but it comes down to the agenda and the agenda is yeah. pretty easy to see right away so they came out with this campaign uh but they came out with that campaign 
because they had an agenda. You know, if my if, if they are America's beer. So if they went out and they said, hey, how are we going to put a twist on this um, to work? Great, because it is a marketing campaign. But if they were to, but you know that they purposely were like, hey, we know that there's all these people out there and we want to try to hit this mark. So we're going to act like we care about this when we actually don't give a, a we don't you can give. you can curse. It's OK. <laughs> yep. You don't give a rat's ass about it, you know, then, you know. And that's and, and that's in a, I see in a lot of things. I see in a lot of things from movies to placing certain people to doing certain things. I'm like, I don't care that you place that person. It's more the fact that you had an agenda of why you place that person. But if you just place them because they are good at what they did, that's okay. But you know, that's not the case, you know? And so it's those agendas that you start, you, you can easily flow through. So that would be what I would consider a red flag. And I think Bud Light does. That's where that, that, uh, that flag would come in is, is like, well, I know you did this and had an agenda. And now I know you're trying to fix it and you have an agenda, not, Hey, we're really just trying to give people have, let people have fun. You know, I, I don't mm. drink, so I have nothing against alcohol, but I have nothing against alcohol, but I don't drink. And uh, I'll see, you know, beer commercials all the time. And it's that, you know, like, go out and have fun, do this. And then in very small letters at the bottom, drink responsibly. And it's like, okay, so now you're trying to hide drink responsibly, but you feel like you have to say it because you'll get in trouble if someone gets in a car accident or doesn't drink responsibly. How many people in this world... Alcohol is one of those situations where you're most likely not going to be responsible. And let's, let's be real here. There are people out there that can have one or two drinks, but usually society has put drinking in a place of let's go out and minimize an emotion of something else, mask a motivation of stress or, or of anxiety or depression, and it's just drink. And so it's like the agenda of you telling people to be responsible, even though I know that you don't care, you're just thinking about the bottom line because of, of getting sued. Um, you should come out if you came out with a much more appealing marketing campaign that was like about genuinely caring about people or doing something like Payless did an experiment or something where you were like, hey, we're going to have Bud Light Ubers, you know, go to the go to the places and pick people up that now that would show that would be something that we would all look at and say okay they, they generally do care because they put a little extra thought into it they're spending a little bit more money than just throwing something out there and we're actually finding a way to help people deal with this situation you know um but yeah i probably went on a little bit more of a rant there than i should but uh no that was good and it made me think of like the difference in approach so like again just for the sake of argument let's say that bud light was actually well-intentioned. I don't necessarily believe that, but let's say they're they're actually well-intentioned and they're in the middle of their PR crisis. Their stock is tanking. People are trashing their brand. And I'm the head of marketing over there wondering like, what do I do? Well, I could do what they decided, which is, you know, basically take a radical shift and clearly pander to the American people like they did and put out American flag advertisements and like a cowboy voice, like we love Bud Light, doesn't come across as genuine. Like when you really look at it and, and like you said, and their agenda. But 
I do see humor and comedy as like a really powerful tool in approaching something like that. I think if they were actually authentic, if their agenda was maybe not benevolent, but at least not nefarious, they could say, you know, hey, we messed up. Let's let's figure out a way we can have a laugh about this. If they had just brought in, and this is my opinion, if they had just brought in some comedians and tried to, instead of like ignore the elephant in the room and maybe addressed it head on and got some laughs, I think, you know, humor is very often based in truth or at least addressing the truth and, you know, not exactly lying about the circumstances because you can't really get a laugh out of, you know, lying or, or really doing that sort of thing. So. And this is also something that you see in ads all the time. Some of the best Super Bowl commercials are humorous, funny ads. It really does, at the very least, appear more genuine than other approaches. I do agree. It, it, there's it, that would be a strat a strategy to say for for sure. Of course, it would depend on the brand. Um, if you know, there's other approaches you could take too. But I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I worked with brands where we went the comedic route before and because laughter, laughter is a form of positivity, you know, and so uh, comedians, they have a role to play in this world. Their purpose is they want to make people laugh and laugh brings positivity and collaboration and trust. And so that could be definitely a way to go. But I'm back to what you're saying about trust and um, doing the right thing. I mean. They could have easily, you know, and not done a simple PR stunt where they got in front of a camera and said, oh, we're so sorry for doing this. This was, we are trying to do this. But they could have done an ad campaign where they made, at, comedy wise, they made themselves look like idiots. A comedy where they purposely came out with their own brand campaign where they're like, you know, we messed up, man. And, and Kid Rock is there doing going up there and, and they, you know, paid, they paid someone who was very much against it to say, Hey, we're going to pay you this and we're going to donate, you know, we're going to donate some money to this as well to a cause or something to get like someone that was really upset about the situation to come on and said, Hey, like we messed up. We're going to donate to this to make this better Ubers, whatever. And we want you to be in a, com a commercial with us about us messing up. They turned that, they turned that Chris Rock, uh, viral. They turned it into a commercial, something very similar and, and made it where they messed up. Then, yeah, I think that that would show like, oh, they're owning their they're owning their authenticity. They know who they are and they messed up. And that would be a good sign, like you said. Uh, and I agree with you. Comedy is comedy is a great way, depending on I would say it does depend on your audience. But when you're that big of a brand, you're going to have many audiences. And so, uh you know, going the comedy route could have definitely helped. But you could also say that people would be like, oh, they're brushing this under the rug with comedy, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you definitely have to watch out there a little bit. It's definitely tricky. And I, I like your suggested approach for saying like, look, we messed up, like putting some kind of ad out like that, like we messed up. And I actually had an idea for the ad, just like as a silly tangent here. Um but you have like an intern in their office there and uh, it's like an intern who goes on chat GPT and prints out an ad for Bud Light and the, the boss doesn't even look at it like, oh, let, let's just run with it. 
that could have been a funny thing. But it's also a perfect segue into uh, my final question for you here, which is in this new world of AI and the ability to really produce an entire brand at the click of a few buttons if we wanted to, how do you, I guess, just generally, like, what are your thoughts on that sort of thing? Because for someone who has an actual mission and a purpose, uh, that can be a great, powerful tool instead of trying to explain it to a person and and really do a lot of work into getting them to do the work right. You can just click a few buttons. But on the other hand, if somebody doesn't have a true purpose or understanding of their why or any of these things, it really creates this gray ethical area where somebody can create a very powerful brand without really having an actual purpose. Yeah, it's back back to what you said earlier. That's a good question because you can. You're basically taking someone that may be a one-man show or just starting out and and just blasting a whole bunch of stuff. Um, But when I've seen AI... Uh, I mean, because so we do for a lot of the, the gyms and the, and, and the health and wellness companies that we work for, um, I am very big and part of my values, for instance, are I want all of my employees, I want all my poories to have grit, perseverance, I want them to have integrity, no ego, and I want them to be able to have that mindset of, hey, I have personal development, I'm going to go out and I like to work out, I like to ride horses, I like to one of my employees loves to ride horses. So that's why I brought it up. But, you know, like to go to the gym and have a mental place where you could still go personally and get your head back in space. Because one, it helps them, it, it helps them write better or do better visual. They're more passionate. That's part of their vision. You know, part of my vision is part of their vision. And so um, when I look at AI, um, back to my, back to your original question, you can see passion and creativity and stuff that's written by a human compared to something that's written by a machine um, with anything writing. Um, if you look at some of the design stuff that yes, a designer, a designer, a content writer, a, a message, you know, brand specialist, like you'll be able to, they'll, they'll craft AI in a way. I always say the tool helps make the person stronger. So for me, for instance, I, I tell my employees, I'm like, I don't want you writing articles in AI. And if I find when we do our applications, you know, just so anyone, whoever does try to apply for one of our writing jobs, for instance, we know if they write AI and we turn them down right away. But the people that are on board, we say, use it to help flow the creative because you're creative. AI is never going to be creative. It's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have a consciousness. It doesn't have creativity. So me as a business owner. I don't use it to write messaging. I, I don't use it to write stuff. I use it for uh, brainstorming. Like, oh, what are we going to do for this? Maybe we look at that. Maybe we look at this. And then business stuff. I'll use it for looking at different markets, looking at different audiences and seeing like what information I can come up with in regards to uh, their problems, their pain points. And so I can, I can use it as a starting point to start saying, all right, is it, does what I give to my client, will they value it? So mm-hmm. how do I do that? I'll go through and I'll, I'll use chat GPT. So I do think, uh, I do think that it's good to be aware of it, but I would also say for anyone who's afraid, uh, 
I, I, funny enough, I say this to a lot of content writers and designers that are afraid. They're like, our jobs are out of business. We have AI. I'm like, actually, it's quite the opposite because now anyone that doesn't value their own work will be cut out, which means they don't have a purpose because they can just write AI and the company themselves would be like, well, why would we hire you for, you know, $2 an hour or 50 or $50 to write all this stuff when we could just use AI. And on the opposite, all of the people that care have purpose, have creativity, and are are willing to go that extra mile for clients are actually going to be able to almost double their price because you're kind of weeding out, you're separating that middle class, you're separating that class out of the low-end people compared to the high-end people. Um, and the high-end people will use it for creativity and helping to brainstorm and helping to do so, be more efficient on certain things where the lower ones will try to cut corners, yeah. you know? So that's my take. That's just kind of my take on social media, uh, on social media, on AI. And I do think that, uh, I do feel like it can have a place in the market, but I agree with you. Like there's a lot of worry. There's a lot of worry. There's going to be people that do it wrong, but I think over time we're already seeing we're already seeing platforms and even like Google, you know, saying, Hey, we like quality. We like quality content. We like new stuff. And people are like, that doesn't mean they don't like AI. We'll keep doing AI. But studies have shown that none of it ranks. So, uh, Google is basically saying, Hey, we want quality content and AI content is not quality because it doesn't have any substance. It doesn't have any passion in it. So that's just my thought overall. Sure. And I mean, we could probably talk about that for hours, but I know we're at time now. So I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, Zach, real quick, any uh, final takeaways or anything like that? No, um, overall, I, I think overall, I, I, I want to thank you for having me on. I'm definitely willing to have you on my podcast too. I think that we have some great conversations going on and I look forward to continuing our relationship. And I want to thank all the viewers for listening. Um, listening to me rant about about all this this fun stuff with ai and branding and all this stuff um so i really do appreciate you having me on the show well thank you where can people find out more about you yeah so i'm pretty much i'm a brander so you search me everywhere on creative uh creative.com is our website we actually have a course out right now um to help people become better leaders um and so that's uh, one of many courses will come over, come out over the next, you know, couple to few years. Yeah, I said few. Um, we like to make them quality, so we take our time on them. But uh, uh, you can always go to our website and look under courses for that. If you want to learn to be a better leader, how to hire, how to hire people of value, and how to really put yourself in a position of 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 higher of higher leadership. Um, you can also find us on YouTube and LinkedIn. Those, those are really the two platforms that, that we really, I always say pick one or two. And so, you know, you, we have our podcast, but that's, that's very related to our YouTube channel. So you can find tutorials. You can find, uh, me talking about different aspects of branding and marketing on our YouTube channel at creative and then LinkedIn. If you, if you just want to chat, I like to go on LinkedIn, LinkedIn right now. I, I'm very big on going through my faults. And so everything that I write on LinkedIn right now is, is, is not, I'm not delegating. I'm using it to help me, uh, lead by example and, and, uh, 
just writing stuff that comes free flow from my journal and and uh, throwing it up there. So you want anything, uh, any inspiration or you just want to chat, you can always find us on LinkedIn and all, all those creative, you can find us at creative. Great. Well, I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes. Uh, Zach, thanks again. And for the listeners, thanks for listening or watching, but make sure to stay healthy and stay awake.